Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. High in the air, Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 150 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. Andy, 150 plate appearances for Emmanuel Burris in 2012, which is a perfect segue into Chris Bryant because you can't think of Emmanuel <laughs> Burris without thinking of Chris Bryant, right? You know, Emmanuel Burris was one of those guys where his batting average and his slugging percentage were probably going to be the same. And, you know, I, I was actually looking at Johnny Cueto's hitting stats the other day because, I mean, I just have this kind of time on my hands. And he's fascinating. He's below cologne level in terms of uh, slugging percentage. Johnny Cueto, I'm going to punch it up right here because this is just mathematically impossible. Johnny Cueto, as a hitter, has one double in his life. That's his only extra base hit. We're talking about 648 plate appearances. Whoa. That's a whole season. And, and he's got one extra base hit. The average is 102. The slugging percentage is 104. I want to write like an oral history of that double. Because if you think about it, with that many plate appearances, like a double doesn't have to clang off the outfield wall. It can just be past the third baseman, a chopper over someone's head. Like there are a lot of different ways to get a double and he has one double. One. And I mean, we talk about Bartolo Colon, uh, his hitting exploits and how terrible he was. And and then he hit the home run, which was just an absolute act of, of, of baseball miraculousness. But I, I kind of think Johnny Cueto hitting a homer might even exceed that. I'm hoping we see it. I think so. And uh, while we're on the point, uh, Emmanuel Burris in those 150 plate appearances, one double. So there you go. He had a 213 batting average, a 221 slugging percentage, which means that Chris Bryant is already tied with that season as far as extra base hits on the Giants. So uh, let's segue to Chris Bryant. It, it's so easy, so natural to segue from Emmanuel Burris to, to Chris Bryant, right? I mean, they both have names that start with B, so why not? This is true. Multi-positions. So this is our first podcast after the trade deadline, so we have to get into it. You brought up Chris Bryant early. You brought him up very early on as a guy who made a lot of sense. You kind of turned me on to that idea. And at first I was thinking, oh, starting pitcher. Oh, no, 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 reliever. Oh, no, 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 starting pitcher. And you were saying, no, no, no. This is the guy because he can cover third, first, all three outfield positions. This is the guy. How does it feel to be right? I kind of wish I had been more strenuous. I'd, I'd taken out that uh, neon sign and, and, and affixed it to my house. And it's just like you can sort of see which players profile well for what the Giants value, what Farhan Zaidi values, what Scott Harris values. And he's a guy who gets on base. He's a guy who sees a lot of pitches. He's got power. 
He's got versatility, crazy versatility, like no star player in the majors has. And the only reason that I thought that, you know, this might not be something that I would bet on happening is because he's a star player and he's a rental and there was going to be a robust market for him. And would the Giants really give up an Elliot Ramos for him? Because that's that's what I thought the cost was going to be. They gave up two players that they like and two players that the industry likes in Caleb Killian and Alexander Canario, who also goes by Alexander Camargo sometimes. Um, and, and, but that's these are guys that, that the Giants signed for $60,000 and was a, what, ninth round pick? So, you know, good on you, player development, for turning those guys into basically what amounted to the return for one of the top impact uh, rental players on the market. You know, they got it done. And, and I, I do wonder just how much this was the Cubs doing favors to their guys. We saw Brian Sabian do this on the rare occasions he had to sell. You want to put people in good positions, you know, whether it's good for their families, good for, you know, where they want to be. And all these guys, you know, Anthony Rizzo ended up in a great place in New York. Uh, Javi Baez will eventually get to be double play partners with uh, Francisco Lindor with the Mets. And Chris Bryant wanted to be a giant and put him in a perfect position. Uh, so, you know, you wonder if there was a little bit of a discount there. Uh, Might have been, potentially. And Scott Harris's familiarity with, with Jed Hoyer had to help quite a bit, too. But, you know, the Giants got their guy, and, and you can tell. by everybody in that ballpark, everybody in that clubhouse, everybody in that dugout is just so excited that Chris Bryant is a Giant. Bryant the Giant. I think it was Scott Harris who had the quote where it is a lot easier to trade from a, a strong farm system because when you don't have the strongest farm system, the teams will ask for the the same three players over and over and over again. And you saw that with like, you know, hey, can we have uh, Zach Wheeler? No. How about Gary Brown? No. How about Zach Wheeler? How about Gary? But like, you know, that's all that was going to get asked for with the Giants back then. With the farm system this deep, they wanted that 40-man roster spot that, that Canario had. They were comfortable with the depth uh, as far as their outfield prospects. They were comfortable with how they're able to take a ninth rounder like Caleb Killian and turn him into a prospect with value around baseball. It's a trade that makes you think that they're confident about how they develop players. And I mean, that's the overall goal, right? Just to be, well, it hurts to lose these guys, but we're probably going to find new ones. Yeah, and you think about just what it means to have an extra 40-man space, and you can use that for all kinds of waiver claimage and and find a Tyro Estrada or find a, you know, a Mike Yastrzemski. Uh, these are guys that they've just used roster room, basically, to have the freedom to be able to add. And, and that's harder to do when, when you're stuffed with talented players and you're always losing someone. And that's, I guess, a tipping point that they'll reach if they haven't reached it already. But Canario was a guy on the 40-man roster, so I think, you know, we've been saying it for a long time that he was the most obvious of the prospect guys to get dealt. And, um, you know, still a guy who who profiles to have a lot of tools, and it's good to see him back from his shoulder injury and, and, and being healthy, maybe not having the greatest season, but but I'm sure that the, the injury, you know, set him back quite a bit. And I'm sure the Cubs are excited about him, just like they're excited about uh, Killian. But then, you know, you, you look at the, the Giants, and they only had five draft picks last year, right? Well, you look at the guy they drafted in the fifth round, and you think, oh, this is sort of a throwaway pick, a guy from Lemoyne College uh, named Ryan Murphy. And, and he's, he's actually outperforming what Caleb Killian's doing. He's been fantastic this year. So it's awfully nice when you have a lot of confidence that you can keep finding and developing players. Because if you don't have that confidence, it's really hard to give them up. 
Yeah, Ryan Murphy leads all of minor league baseball in strikeouts. And, you know, as like you said, a fifth round pick last year, he was really, really under the radar. I mean, for me, I totally forgot he existed. I had like a real Mandela effect with him. I had to look and go, wait, he was last year's draft? Because I just did not remember him at all. And that's the kind of prospect that the Giants could have traded this this trade deadline. They could have traded a Luis Matos. They could have, you know, kept Marco Luciano, but also traded Barter or Elliot Ramos. They kind of like... Like walked that fine line between hugging prospects but also getting value back. That's probably what's most impressive uh, to me is that they got guys back. You know, Tony Watson, I'm writing about him right now, and I'm actually a little bit more impressed with that acquisition than I was at the deadline. They got value and they didn't give up, you know, not just the top, top guys, but the guys on the tier below that and maybe the guys on the tier below that too. Yeah. And, you know, the two minor leaguers that they sent to the Angels, in addition to Sam Selman, are guys who throw really hard. You know, Yvonne Armstrong has thrown in the upper 90s. Jose Marte has touched 100. And I actually got to know both those guys a couple of years ago when they were in extended spring. Uh, Marte was rehabbing a little injury and, and uh, Armstrong was waiting for the Arizona uh, League to start up in June. I went over to the complex because Johnny Cueto was doing his rehab uh, from Tommy John surgery, and he, he took those two kids especially uh, and a bunch of others under his wing and, and, and sort of pushed them in workouts and took them out on the weekends and you know made sure they had food and clothes and stuff and was just really, really cool uh, how, how Johnny Cueto embraced that role. Uh, you know, just rehabbing in Arizona all that time. And and these two kids, the Giants were high on. Uh, they haven't really shown as much command to go with the stuff, but uh, I think in both of their cases – uh, Marte was going to be a minor league free agent. Armstrong was going to be a guy they'd have to add to the 40-man or he'd be Rule 5 eligible. And, you know, they just knew that they were, they were not going to have room for either of those guys with the forecasted people. They do have to add to the 40-man, like Elliot Ramos, for, for example. And so that's why they were a little more expendable than they otherwise would be. So there's always some of that going on. You're always trying to create waves of talent. And then you have to spin some of that talent back uh, because if, if you have too much in one wave, you can't use it all and you don't want to lose it. So so that's when you try to make deals for for minor leaguers from other systems. And it, it's an art form. You're always kind of um, kind of trying to, to keep equilibrium going. So looking around the league at what, uh, say, the White Sox had to give up for Craig Kimbrell or uh, what the Astros gave up to get Kendall Graveman, do you think that the Giants missed an opportunity to get uh, more of a late-inning reliever or that there was one person they could have added? Or maybe even if we're talking about a starter, what the Blue Jays gave up to get to get Jose Barrios? Or does it make sense that those prices seemed really, really high and the Giants just weren't going to play that game? Do you think it was a missed opportunity or do you think the Giants could have been a little bit more aggressive? It's a good question. I, I would ask the same question of you, but I, I was just kind of surprised that I think a good example is the Phillies Rangers trade. You know, they get Kyle Gibson, who seems like a you know, kind of a fungible starting pitcher having a good year, and Ian Kennedy, whose middle name literally is fungible. And it cost him uh, Spencer Howard, who, you know, I know his prospect stock has fallen a little bit, but he was probably his second round pick, I think, in, in 2017 and, and was probably their top prospect, you know, did less than 365 days ago. So I was shocked that that was the, the price there. And I was really surprised by some of the prospects that, you know, the, the Blue Jays gave up. And granted, you're getting some control with Barrios, but... Yeah, I don't know. Now that I think about it, I, I just wonder what it would have taken to get Rysel Iglesias from the Angels. And, and I'm sure they talked about him. You know, Perry Manassian and Zach Manassian are brothers. They go way back, obviously. So I guarantee you they talked about Iglesias. But I just wonder what, what the ask was going to be 
And clearly the Giants weren't prepared to do more. And they may regret that. You know, Bobby Evans once famously joked that he was a knucklehead for not going out and uh, and trading for, for a Mark Melanson. And then the Giants broke down. And, and who, who was that opponent they faced in 2016? Who was the batter who led off the, <laughs> the last inning? Uh, oh, it's Chris Bryant. Yeah, that's right. It all comes full circle, and Matt Duffy is Chris Bryant's replacement on the Cubs. So the simulation is going strong, right? I mean, they're not wow. even—they're not even trying anymore. Wow, that's right, Matt Duffy. And I do feel for Cubs fans. I mean, my brothers are huge Cubs fans, and they're just—they're sick so seeing Anthony Rizzo in, in in Yankee pinstripes and seeing Baez with the Mets and, and Chris Bryant with the Giants. It, it hurts, man. It's tough. I mean, you think about all of the connections the Giants fans have made with. The Crawfords and Posies and Bumgarners. And yeah, it's weird to see Bumgarner in a Diamondbacks uniform. And we're going to see him Tuesday. Uh, he's going to start against Johnny Cueto. So we'll finally get Posey versus Bumgarner, assuming Buster's in the lineup. But yeah, it's weird to see guys in other uniforms. But to see them all all sort of get dealt all at once almost, is, is it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty disorienting for, for Cubs fans out there. Yeah, my parents were walking their dog this morning, and they were stopped by someone uh, in a Cubs hat, and they basically just said, hey, you guys got a, a winner in Chris Bryant. Uh, we love him so much. And my dad relayed this to me, and I, I said, well, that's their posy. I mean, it's like it works on so many levels. He's not just a former MVP. He's a former MVP who helped uh, the Cubs break this long championship drought, which is exactly what Bryant did. He was Rookie of the Year. I mean, there are so many parallels. And if you imagine, like, the Giants, in 2017 trading Buster Posey that's what this would feel like for Cubs fans yeah that's a it's a good call I mean he really does have that Posey vibe about him and 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 he was very very he made a very good impression on everybody you know made a good impression I think on with his public statements uh, what he said to the media uh, what he said post game about about uh, you know being so appreciative of the fans making it such an unforgettable day for him he came across as as very genuine and I think he's a guy who kind of you know doesn't like to draw attention to himself and you know isn't a big look at me player and probably, you know, would prefer it to be out of the limelight a little bit. But I think when he's in it, he handles it pretty darn well. And you just wonder how much the Cubs may regret the service time manipulation thing, because otherwise this guy probably signs a big extension and he's kind of a through line between whatever the next good era of Cubs baseball is going to be. And uh, just like uh, Buster has been the through line from, um, you know, 2010 and until what we're seeing right now. And you really think that that's an organizational screw up. Uh, they, they, they thought they were doing the right thing for themselves, but I, I think it probably ended up costing them in the end. And Chris Bryant's wearing another uniform because of it. That's a really good point. Listen, if the Giants had not extended Buster Posey, Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, when they did, when 2017 came around, or maybe 2018 even, those players would have been gone. I mean, I, I firmly believe that. I mean, they love Buster Posey, they love Brandon Crawford, but at that time, their contracts were what was preventing them from going to another team. Uh, I have no inside information. I'm just looking at what would have happened if, if the Giants were in this position where they were, you know, had a chance to lose Buster Posey or, or uh, we're coming up on a free agent year for Brandon Crawford. And you look now, they had these guys. They stuck around. The contracts ended up saving them in a, in a little way because, I mean, you know, Crawford's an all-star. Posey's an all-star. They're buoying the offense and making it one of the best in the National League. Uh, imagine where they would be without those two guys. And so it's not just about keeping the fan favorites around. It's about, well, maybe you'll get use out of them too. Yeah, I mean, it really it really has turned out that way. And, and I know that you could sit back and say, well, but I mean, they had four straight losing seasons. They had the worst home record ever. They, they were unwatchable for a couple of years there. And, you know, that really wasn't 
Posey's fault or Crawford's fault or Belt's fault. I mean, they were making a lot of money, but I don't think the Giants were going to outspend their way, you know, if they had other, you know, other free money to spend. I don't think they were going to spend their way to being better in those four losing seasons. Where I think it went wrong is all the moves they made around that core, assuming it was going to be stronger and, you know, spending a quarter of a billion dollars on Cueto and Samarja in one offseason and trading a guy like Brian Jennings away for a rental of Andrew McCutcheon. And, you know, they, they Brian sort of, Reynolds, Brian Reynolds. What did I say? Brian Jennings, William right. Brian Jennings. I think that's William the Brian time Jennings. he's come up. Every time I do that, good thing he's not a giant because I'd still be calling him Brian Jennings. Gosh darn it. Ugh. You know what? I'm not even going to ask Brian Smith to edit that out. I'm going to wear it. I'm going to wear Brian Jennings because his name is Brian Reynolds. Reynolds rap, Reynolds rap, Reynolds rap. So I had to, I had to let you know just so you know. Yeah, but that's perfect. That's perfect. I love that. Ugh. You're obsessed with William Brian Jennings. <laughs> So I, I guess I was making a point there, maybe, and and the point was that they, you know, it was the moves around that core trying to prop it up. That that's where they they really all went wrong, and and I don't think that's, uh, you know, you could say that's the fault of the core for not being stronger, uh, but I think a lot of those other moves just didn't work out either. So, you know, I don't think they necessarily can look back and say that they regret signing any of those players to those extensions. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I think it serves to like the larger idea of the Cubs might be good or bad in two, three, four, five years, but they're not going to be good or bad specifically because they have Chris Bryant making a lot of money on that roster. Like that's not going to be the defining reason of why they are where they are. And once you get to that point, you can start thinking, maybe just keep them. We're the Cubs and we print money like this. This should work. This could work. Uh, He defines the franchise. How can we make this work? It kind of blows me away that at no point were they able, I mean, I know it's Scott Boris. I know they, they messed with him in his service time and that left a bad taste in his mouth, but it just, it makes no sense to me that you don't keep a guy like this because he defines the Cubs. And so now you wonder, okay, what's going to happen here? What's the long game with Chris Bryant and the Giants? And I got to tell you, there's nothing that's guaranteed. And it's Scott Boris. So, you know, he is not somebody who generally will um, pass up a chance at a big name client hitting the open market. And I don't think this is going to be a swift process, but you got to think that the interest is pretty mutual on this being more than just a two month sort of dalliance. And you get that sense because he really wanted to make a great first impression. And the Giants went out of their way to make a great first impression on him. I mean, stocking his hotel room with a bunch of Giants gear, including a little Giants jersey for his 16-month-old son. They did so many things, I think, that, and he mentioned so many times, you know, I feel so wanted here and so um, appreciated. And that just, 
it's a great feeling to have. And so I think that the fact that they're trying to impress each other so much kind of tells me that they want this to happen. And there's a lot of market forces that could keep it from happening potentially, but I kind of feel like it's uh, it's probably more likely than not that, that maybe Chris Bryant is, uh, is a giant next year. One of the things that when I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking forward a couple of years and I'm saying, okay, you know, the Giants will have this money. Who might they get? And I'm looking at Carlos Correa. I'm looking at all the shortstops. I'm looking at the different needs they might have in free agency. And because I'm, I'm taking this view from 5,000 feet above, I'm, I'm missing some of the, the key details. And one thing that I didn't appreciate fully until the Giants made this trade is that when you look at the positions that Bryant plays, like you go to baseball reference and they've got the category on the right that's positions and it looks like a phone number. It's uh, 579-38D6 or, you know, like it, it. he has so many positions. He's playing, uh, he's playing shortstop sometimes. He's playing center sometimes. That's a contract you can kind of play with. That is a guy, once you have him in the system on a long-term deal, it's not like Evan Longoria where you're giving him this big money, but you know you have to park him at third base. With Bryant, he goes so many different areas that you're not tethered to, okay, we've got this guy making big money. We can't get player X because we're going to put him. No, Bryant kind of eliminates that confusion. And I think that that's a very, very valuable thing if you're going to pick a guy for a long-term commitment. Yeah, it, it just allows you to be flexible. And he's a great guy to have as a, a, a rental player, too, because this is the oldest position player core in baseball. Uh, there are no waiver deals that you can make at the end of August or at any point in August to kind of patch a hole. And if Longoria isn't able to come back uh, for whatever reason, then, you know, Brian can play third base. And if, you know, Belt's not able to make it back and he can play first base uh, or, you know, he gets slotted anywhere in the outfield. I don't think he's quite an average center fielder, but I think he's adequate and he can definitely play plus outfield in both corners. So yeah, it's, it's, it's not just for, and you can move him around in a game. You know, you can double switch, you can get a matchup. You don't have to worry about the pitcher spot coming up because you could move him, you know, to three different positions in one game. He's kind of Cody Bellinger like in that way. And, you know, standing next to him, I didn't really get a sense. And he was a tall guy, but he's very rangy. And um, he kind of reminded me a little bit uh, just body type wise of Jason Worth and kind of a similar hitter too. you know, good on base percentage, good power. You know, Jason Worth ended up getting what, what was that big contract he got from the Nationals, like six years and one hundred and twenty seven million. I, I don't know if 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 that should be the comp or if George Springer should be the comp. Uh, I, I guarantee the Giants don't want to give him more than five years. But, yeah, I, I got to think at minimum the interest is going to be pretty darn mutual on on trying to see what makes sense for both parties. And he fits one of the key organizational philosophies uh, that we've talked about a lot this year, which is um, <clears throat> no turds. <laughs> right. No, no turds or, or, or uh, can we use the phrase that Mauricio Dubon used? I think we can. What um, was I can't remember. Refresh my memory. No pricks. I believe he said no pricks. <laughs> But it, it does, it makes it different. And you can tell that the front office doesn't think this is a joke, that there is some sort of like acknowledgement that when you have a clubhouse that's humming along, you don't want to just throw in uh, a, a thing of firecrackers that you, you know, add a guy who who kind of fits the general vibe and has a good reputation. You know that Scott Harris was very familiar and could give that report like, oh, yeah, this guy's not going to be a turd. And that fits with our no turds philosophy. And they obviously know the same is true of Tony Watson. And it was very apparent that they were not going to just bring somebody in that they did not know 
in and out uh, that they did not would have some questions about how they would fit in character wise or or comfort wise. I mean, it's a big thing to, to have someone step in after a trade that can be very jarring and and be comfortable and produce right away. And, and clearly, Chris Bryant in second at bat, he hit a homer. So, you know, I, I think they've they've gone out of their way to to create that environment for him. And yeah, it's it really is interesting for as analytic minded and you think how maybe dispassionate some of the metrics can be and, and the ways that they value players are it's almost like there's just a an algorithm you can plug in now there, there's more to it this front office i think does really recognize the human touch and the human side of the game and and you know they've worked really hard and they've employed a lot of coaches to create a certain culture uh, a collaborative culture where guys aren't going to, you know, bitch and moan about being platooned or, or being pinch hit for in the fifth inning. I mean, you got to have that for this kind of strategy, this kind of, of way to win ball games it is, is going to be operationalized. And, and, and Chris Bryant adds right to that culture. I don't think they were going to make a move that was going to potentially disrupt that culture. Yeah, you brought up Tony Watson, and I'm currently, uh, I'm almost finished with an article that right now the, the working title is Six Reasons Why the Giants Traded for Tony Watson. And when I get to the end, the most important reason to me is that he's fluent in Giants' ease. Like, he knows how the coaching staff is going to want him to attack hitters. He knows, like, there's already buy-in. And I think that that's really important, that you don't have to guess, is this guy going to buy in? Is this guy going to fit the bullpen? Is this guy going to look at Gabe Kapler a scam? when he has to come in the fifth inning or or do something that's out of his comfort zone. Like, no, it's it's all these things they know. And that's one of the reasons combined with they were going to lose, uh, you know, Marte in the, the Rule 5 draft or as a minor league free agent. Like, there were logistical reasons as well. Uh, but they knew what they had in Tony Watson. And I think that that was really important. Yeah, I agree. And um, the, the one the one thing is that he's not optionable like Sam Selman would have been. But if they weren't going to really bring up Sam Selman, uh, unless they just absolutely needed another arm, then you know that that maybe is is not not a big factor. So, and they've got a lot of lefties, and they clearly value having lefties. And even Tyler Rogers has been more effective against left-handed hitters. So they've got a lot of options down there. And Watson is a guy who is a trajectory guy. They really liked how his stuff was trending over the last couple of weeks. Uh, saw the uptick in the fastball velocity. And they know the rest of his stuff will play if, if he can touch 94 and, and throw a run you know, in the 92 range, which is what he's been doing. So that's why they thought it was a good deal. When I saw the deal at first, I thought, oh, well, Rysel Iglesias has got to be a part of this thing. No, it was just, just Tony Watson. And uh, they're, they're, they're pretty happy to have him back. Yeah. One thing that when I, when I kind of poked around his game logs and, and such, he's allowed 17 earned runs this year. And 10 of them came in two games. And of those 10 earned runs, five of them were inherited runners that scored. And that took his, in his, the 34 games, other than those two blow up games, uh, his ERA is 0.52. So he's been really effective. A ton of scoreless uh, outings for the Angels. He just had two games that destroyed his ERA and everything else underneath. Like he's allowing soft contact. He's getting uh, uh, batters to chase it at balls out of the zone. Like there's a lot to like about him. And I think his ERA didn't tell the story. And I also think it's one of the reasons why the Giants were able to get him for a relatively reduced cost. And there wasn't a frenzy around about the deadline. Yeah, I mean, clearly there wasn't. And he was even saying, you know, I kind of knew it was the trade deadline. I was out with my family to lunch. I was just about to drop them off and go to the ballpark. And then I get the call from the GM from Perry Manassian saying you've been traded and it's the Giants. And he's like, there was definitely an awkward silence there because... Number one, it wasn't on his radar that he was going to get traded. He didn't think that there was going to be a market around him. And, and number two, wait, I'm going back to the, uh, the 
okay, I'll go back to the Giants. Sure, why not? (laughs) Great, sounds good. Thanks for letting me watch Shohei Otani up close for free for four months. So you could tell he's happy to be back, and, and that's no surprise. He enjoyed his time here. At the deadline, I was expecting a starting pitcher, and now that the deadline has come and gone, I'm looking at the Giants roster, and what the Giants have right now are four pitchers, the high or five, I'm sorry, five starting pitchers, the highest ERA of which is Johnny Cueto's at 3.84. Logan Webb is slowly transitioning into like a force uh, on the mound. Now I'm thinking, gosh, why did they want another starting pitcher? I mean, I know why for depth and, you know, you can play around with it a little bit more and maybe Alex Wood becomes your, your long reliever in the postseason, but I don't know. This The starting rotation is humming along and they didn't feel like they needed to make that Jose Barrios kind of splash. Yeah, I wonder if they just look at it as, you know, what moves can we make that will make the biggest difference? And, you know, Chris Bryant was a difference-making move. Kyle Gibson would not have been a difference-making move. They might have felt a little better about their depth. Max Scherzer would have been a difference-making move, and they tried for him, and I don't think that it really went anywhere. Once Trey Turner got involved in the deal and you knew that they were going to extract a couple of the Dodgers, just premium, premium prospects, then there was just nothing the Giants could do to compete that they would even feel comfortable doing or that they might even have been able to pull off even if they did want to just give up everybody. So that kind of took them out of it, and I think there was some disappointment there because they thought Scherzer and Bryant were the two guys that could be the biggest difference difference makers that were available. And you know what? They got one of the two. And I think they got to feel good about that. And now it's a little bit of a dice roll that Kevin Gossman's going to come back and pitch like an ace, that uh, everybody else is going to stay healthy. You know, they do have Aaron Sanchez that they feel they can stretch out again. Uh, he's uh, on the big league roster. Um, they do feel like Logan Webb is trending in a great direction. Sammy Long is is going to be stretched out again in the minors uh, to, to be rotation insurance. But yeah, I mean, they, they don't have a lot of fallback options if they have multiple people who get a little nicked up or, or, or start to struggle. And when it comes to the top end of that rotation and matching up in a playoff series, um, you know, they, they probably, uh, they're probably going to regret not being able to, to land uh, uh, Scherzer. Well, I shouldn't say regret, but, you know, they'll definitely think back to that. And, uh, and, and, and they know they could be a much stronger team to match up with. Uh, if they had a pitcher like that. So, you know, they're just going to roll with what they have. And, and I guess I guess it's worked so far. It's tricky to always do these cross-organizational comps uh, for a trade package. But the best I can come up with is if the Giants were to make that Scherzer-Turner trade, it would involve Joey Bart, of course, uh, then also probably Logan Webb and maybe pieces uh, in addition to that. And is that preferable to getting Chris Bryant instead for a far less package? I don't. I mean, you could make the argument that the Giants did the right thing and that they they were right to say, you know, have at it, Dodgers. We can't go there. Yeah, I think that the fact that you don't know if you're going to hang on to the division. I mean, Max Scherzer could really make a difference in a playoff series. He's certainly going to help you try to win the division, but you know, he only pitches once every five days. So if you're looking at it and you give up the moon for Max Scherzer and you end up in that wild card game, okay, you could throw him in that wild card game, but it's still it's such a, a price you'd be paying versus having a Scherzer you can throw in a in a postseason series. That just seems like that's where he'd make the biggest impact. And, you know, the, the, nothing is guaranteed. I mean, hell, the, it's not even guaranteed that both wild cards will come out of the West. The Reds are charging and they're right up. Uh, I think the Reds are closer to the Padres than the Padres are to, to the Giants at this stage. So, yeah, we could still have a few wrinkles that we didn't see coming in this National League playoff picture. 
Yeah. Always a chance, too, that you don't get Scherzer for the wildcard game because you need him for game 162 sure. or 161 because you're trying to win the, for the freaking division. So, yeah, no guarantees there. Just like the Pirates did when they used Garrett Cole. Oh, wait, no, there's some subtext there. Womp, womp. Womp, womp. Great moments in Clint Hurdle's managerial career. <laughs> oh, this has been episode 150. Feels like a special episode. We should have gotten uh, some sort of special guest. Guess what? The Giants got us Chris Bryant. So I think that was special enough. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back later on and we'll, we'll resume talking about the actual games because the Giants are still doing pretty well with that. Thanks for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.